turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane, president of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. And I'm Terry Reed, a director at SAPSA. We are here to reassure you that you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. Genesis chapter 6 through 9 described the building of a huge ark on which all animal life on this planet was saved, including us. This question of whether this account from the Bible is believable is highlighted by the fact that the creation group Answers in Genesis this past month opened a $30 million full-size ark in northern Kentucky built to the proportions described in the Bible. Yes, our two goals for this show are to advertise this spectacular attraction, which not only approximates the size and structure of the biblical ark, but analyze whether the biblical account of the worldwide flood and the ark can be believed in this scientific age. To the first point, I would like to invite everyone who wants to and can to visit this new ark replica, which, by the way, is the largest wood structure in the world today. The ark opened on July 7 to huge crowds, and the Answers in Genesis expects 2.2 million people to tour their ark in the first year. To get information about where it is located near Williamstown, Kentucky, get tickets and arrange traveler accommodations, just go Google Ark Encounter and you will find their website. Scott, most people laugh and think the ark was just a story from the Bible and not real history. What if evidence is there that it really existed? Terry, there's a huge mound of evidence for the ark and for the worldwide flood, beginning with a wealth of evidence for the flood. One of those is population growth. If you start mathematically with eight people, which is how many were supposed to be on the ark with Noah, and project a one-half percent growth per year of that group. Now, incidentally, this is a very conservative estimate because our current population growth in the world today is about 2%. But if you project that out over the last 4,000 to 4,500 years, you get 4 billion people in the world, which is a pretty good estimate because our current actual population in the world is 7 billion. Now, again, the Bible would teach that, if read literally, that it is about 4,500 years since Noah. Now, conversely, if you go with the secular idea of man first coming onto the earth one million years ago, and you project that same one-half percent growth rate, there would be so many people on the planet today that we would be all packed together foot to foot, one person standing on top of another all the way into space. And of course, that type of population pressure has never been on this planet. Another indication of the flood occurred and is multiple places on the earth 
where it shows that this world was reshaped. One of those is the Niagara Falls Channel, which is about seven miles long at this point. Before they buttressed it, the uh, Niagara Falls with concrete, it was being cut away at about four to eight feet per year. Now, Lyell, who was one of the uh, purveyors of uniformitarianism, said it was only being cut back at one foot, but that was incorrect. You mean they would have lied? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they did. The age of Niagara Falls is between 4,500 and 8,750 years old based on just basic calculations of how long it would have to cut back to its source. If the Niagara Falls is somewhere between 4,500 uh, years old and 8,700 years old, the age of North America is probably likely the same. Noah's flood could have eroded half of the seven and a half mile long Niagara River Gorge in just a few hours as the floodwaters race through the soft sediments. Now the Mississippi River Delta is another example that we can look at of a quick geological clock. That delta, the amount of sediment that's being deposited at the end of the river, because that's a huge river that drains about a third of the North American continent, it is depositing dust and sediment that's carried down to its mouth where the waters slow down and, and they deposit. It is calculated that that delta could have accumulated in the last 5,000 years, very much like the timing of Niagara Falls. We know that it hasn't been there for much longer than that because it is depositing not only stuff and sediment at the mouth of the delta, but it's filtering into the gulf. And within 10 million years, the gulf would be completely filled with sediment from that river. So we know it hasn't been there at any time like that. Along those same lines, the Nile River Delta shows that it could have been composed in the last 5,000 years based upon the amount of sediment that's going on there. The Sahara Desert is expanding. And if we look at its current expansion rate of how fast it is growing and then go back, where did it start? Again, we get that number of 5,000 years. The oldest coral in the world is 4,200 years old. The oldest tree in the world living is 4,300 years old. The oldest written records date back only 6,000 years. What we've mentioned here are nine clocks which say that something dramatic happened to reshape the earth 4,300 to 6,000 years ago. And there are many more of these. The question is, what happened? Interesting, but most people will say that no matter how big it is, the ark could not have fit all of the animals onto the ark that lived in the world. Ah, but those people have several misconceptions. First is they did not even know how huge the ark was, which the Williamstown ark will demonstrate to them. It was wider, taller, and longer than most football stadiums. Further, you have to give God at least as much credit as we give ourselves. God would not have put full-grown dinosaurs, elephants, or giraffes on the ark for two reasons, space and fertility. He would have put smaller, youthful animals on the ark not only to ease space requirements, but also that these young animals would be of age and ready for a long life of reproducing their kind so as to repopulate the earth. It is theorized that the average size of an animal on the ark was between the size of a rat and a sheep. In fact, to populate the ark with seven pairs of every clean animal and two pairs of every unclean kind, as defined by the Bible, would have filled up just 37% of the ark, leaving ample room for provisions and the eight people. Well, even with all that you have said, many would 
say that you still could not fit the millions of species of animals and birds in the world today onto such an ark. Unfortunately, Terry, that is because they are still thinking that in evolutionary terms. You do not need to have every species in the world represented, but just every kind represented, which is about equal to the family order in our modern classification system. This would mean that there was a maximum of 16,000 rat-to-sheep-sized animals and birds on the ark, and probably far less than that number. They could easily have fit. There is, in fact, a book on this subject called Noah's Ark, a Feasibility Study by John Woodmorap, which is a technical study looking into all of the challenges of building the ark. Filling it with animals, food and water, as well as outfitting it for people to live in it for a year. His data and his conclusions are in line with all that you have said. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org. Today we're examining the feasibility of the biblical account of the worldwide flood and the Noah's Ark, as well as telling people about the full-size ark now open to the public in Williamstown, Kentucky. Another good support for the flood is in geology. The whole earth is covered in sedimentary rocks that in some places are miles deep. These sedimentary layers show no weathering between layers as we would expect if they were laid down over millions of years, but do show flow patterns as if they were laid down by water. They also show bends in these consistent layers with being laid down by water. Many of these layers cover multiple continents showing that their being laid down was a worldwide event. Another great evidence for the flood and supporting the biblical account is from the many cultural records in the world. We have records of more than 300 cultures from ancient times which have creation accounts. Of these, more than 270 of them contain a huge flood legend. The Chinese, the Toltecs, the Delaware Indians, the Hawaiians, and Babylonian records, and so many more all tell of a world-destroying worldwide flood that men and animals were saved on a huge boat constructed by one man or family. And another fascinating thing about these legends is that most of them attribute the coming of this great flood to man's sin, as does the Bible. The question is, are these just legends? Are they the true historical accounts verifying the biblical account? The fact that there are 270 of these accounts in agreement should make us wonder if there's not a seed of truth in them. Many would ask, where did all this water come from? You know, that's a point of a lot of speculation. Uh, some people for years talked about a water canopy that may have encircled the Earth. It also may be true that an asteroid-like or comet-like, the Yucatan impact, opened up the waters of the deep that the Bible talked about and that those were under such pressure that they spewed into the upper atmosphere and created the rains. What we do know is that there are more than three times more water in the mantle than on the surface of the earth. So the, there is real truth to what the Bible says about the fountains of the deep. And the Bible also says that it rained for the first time on the earth during this time. Okay, but they will next ask, where did all that water go? The earth is not covered by water today. The Bible and tectonics give us an answer to that. If the world was suddenly bombarded by huge rains and huge new waves of water coming onto the continents from the mid-ocean ridges, then the tremendous pressures would have pushed the continents down and in fact made these continents to subduct. That is to crawl under the ocean basins, both lowering the continents and raising the oceans. It is also theorized that the continents were not so mountainous as they are today and that the great mountain ranges we see today 
are the product of continental and tectonic shift after a result of the flood, which created the great mountains we see today. If all this is true, then the Bible states correctly when it says that God was in building these mountain ranges and colliding of tectonic land masses and rebounding and raising the mountains once the waters rushed off of them, did set a boundary between the waters and the dry land and the continents we see today. So you don't subscribe to the many Christians who think the flood was only a local event? In no way do I believe that. Not only does the evidence from geology, erosion, and cultural records all verify that there was a worldwide event which reshaped this world about five to 6,000 years ago, but the Bible is very clear that this was not a local event. It states that every mountain then the world was covered to a depth of 15 cubits. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org, that is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org, or call 210-599-7240. You can also visit our website for more information or to order our newsletter. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com, that's whyshouldyoubelieve.com, that is Terry's website, containing articles from a biblical perspective. SABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. at the Jim's Restaurant at the corner of San Pedro and Ramsey, and you are invited to a meeting at any time. If you missed any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR website and clicking on the KSLR podcast. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. Believing the Bible.